opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about existing home sales and what they tell us about this savagely unhealthy housing market. We may have just gotten back from Gathering of Eagles, but we're not done with events for 2023 yet. This October, we're headed right back to Austin, Texas for Housing Wire Annual, and we want to see you there. We've got a power-packed agenda with content such as our Women of Influence speakers, peak performer playbooks, CEO playbooks, and more to propel your company forward, as well as a bunch of networking events. Because this event is open to real estate executives, mortgage title, and everyone in between, you really have the opportunity to network with people from all across the housing ecosystem. If you want to learn more about the event, or if you're already ready to get registered, head over to housingwire.com on the events tab and you can learn all about it. Not to mention, if you're an HW Plus member, you're going to get 50% off your ticket. So get registered for HW Plus and get registered for the event so we can see you out in Austin. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. And we're doing this podcast on Thursday, uh, the day that existing home sales came out and the jobless claims data came out again. And it was another solid number for the labor market as it shot bond yields back up. And uh, as of this morning, we're back to 7% once again. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what do you want to talk about first, existing home sales or the bond market and mortgage rates? You know, the existing home sales, still savagely unhealthy and you know, we've had two months now, um, you know, when I went on CNBC on May 15th and tried to say, you know, it really looks like inventory is very slow this year, like a zombie. But now that we've had two months of rates near 7% or above, the active listings data hasn't budged much. Um, the purchase application data hasn't gone in any direction one way or another in any meaningful way. And it's just the market has slowed. And because of that, which I didn't think could be possible, uh, we've had back-to-back existing home sale prints with uh, days on market below teenager or you know 18 days. Um, I was thinking with rates higher, maybe days on market could grow. It, it just hasn't. And again, this is the whole premise of the savagely unhealthy housing market was based on a principle. There's just not enough product available, even with existing home sales being near 21st century lows in demand. Uh, homes are just moving fast because we have too many people chasing too few homes. When you say savagely unhealthy, who is it savagely unhealthy for? I mean, primarily, are are you talking about the consumers, about the lenders? This is in this marketplace. The fear always was years 2020, 2024, if housing demand picks up, and inventory breaks to all-time lows, which you know is just a theory. Years ago, okay, if there's, what it can create is a very savagely unhealthy environment to where you have demand there. But what's what's occurring is that sellers or buyers, not a lot of people are moving. Not a lot of people have been moving for a while now. 
So you could get yourself in a situation where home prices can escalate. This is why in the end of 2020 and early 2021, where people were talking about major home price crashes, I was like, no, we have to worry about uh, home prices overheating. Because we have 335 million people now in America, we have over 156 million people working. Our active listings in terms of single family homes went down to 240,000 in March of 2022. So when you bid up home prices in a very short amount of time, um, it'll affect the uh, affordability uh, model. It, um, hence why my affordability index model was broken in uh, uh, by the end of 2021. But if rates go up and people need to buy homes, right? What if we get stuck? So as a buyer, you don't have a lot of choices. As a seller, you don't have a lot of choices because the sellers are buyers. And then if demand gets hit like it did, housing is still in a recession in terms of the existing home sales market. Home sales are near 21st century lows. How do you get out of this? You know, this, you know, I, I talked about in the in the article, Chairman Powell and the housing bubble boys were actually in cahoots for the first time ever. The housing bubble boys hate the Fed, they hate everything, but you know, when Jay Powell said housing's in a bubble, well, when the bubble bursts, the housing reset happens, inventory will go up. That means there's choices. Good. People have choices. You have an effective pricing model. We don't have that. That's why so much of my work is credit channels run inventory channels. So now we people just want a home to live in. There's not that many out there, right? And then the affordability metrics got hit. So you're running on two different uh, uh, terms of savagely unhealthy. Affordability indexes aren't getting better, right? It's getting worse. So what's occurring now is that sellers aren't moving. Buyers are trying to fight for it. What do you get? 21st century lows in demand. And that's where we are today. And we don't have a an effective mechanism right now because mortgage rates already went up, right? And what does it do? Home seller or home buyer, homeowners are doing so well, we're stuck. And that was, you know, when, when, when we do these podcasts and I keep on saying the fear is getting stuck, right? Not a problem for the builders, but here it's just, it's painful, you know? I was just going to say, so last time we talked, we were talking about the new home sales market, which is a in a sunny place. You know, the builders are happy. What what was the, um, you put party rock at anthem, right? For the song that the builders are singing yeah. right now. <laughs> so the, so the, the builders have, I mean, for the, for, I mean, in some ways, I feel kind of good for them because they were always at a disadvantage in the previous expansion. It was the weakest new home sales cycle ever recorded in history. So, but here they're like, "Hey, wait a second, we have homes, and we're going to bring the rates down." Everybody party, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> in in that case, they're up. Home sales are up twenty percent year over year for them. The builders' confidence had you know a big spike. So. They're in a much different situation because for the first time, this very small player with a very nice house says, come on over, guys. We've got completed units for sale. We'll give you rates under 6%. Existing home sales market, what is stingy, right? Home sellers are stingy and you know they have all these different variables that go into selling a, selling a home. So it's just, it's so weird for me to, to wait 10 years for this period in time in history and everything that I thought can go wrong has gone wrong, but it's a different kind of wrong. Um, I'm never worried about, you know, massive inventory or people losing their homes, anything like that, or the 2008. I'm never worried about that because credit channels are much different, but here it's, it's tough. 
it's tough because you can't force people to sell their homes at a major discount. You can't force people to move, right? Homeowners are doing good. So we're in this tug of war, but it's a difficult one to to, to loosen up. I, I just think no one, it was hard to foresee how strong home prices would be, right? I mean, you never believed that home prices were going to we're going to crash. When you talk about um, a waterfall dive in housing demand in last year or the, or the the crash in housing last year, what you're talking about is total sales, correct? Yeah. And uh, um, again, when you have normal credit channels, what do I mean by normal credit channels? Everyone gets a 30-year fix. They have to qualify for a house before they list their homes and buy another one or a first-time home buyer has to qualify. So in that environment, home prices, you know, if if you have too many people chasing too few homes, you get bidding wars, right? And bidding wars will escalate prices out of control. Our home price per capita data doesn't look anything like Norway, Sweden, Canada, UK. So there's room to run there. I just don't think people understood this because we have a pack of hyenas since 2012 telling everybody that home prices are going to crash every single day. And it's year 12, the broken clock theory, and they're still here. Now it's the Airbnb bust. And it's our job in the academic world to try to give people as much good information. But when everyone thinks there's a major price decline on the on the side, you can't you can't override that. So I think the problem is that we have to do a better job in our academic world of relaying information in a disin disinformation. Russian trolling style of social media, um, where fanatics are allowed to constantly tell people lies. So I thought the only way we can do this is to challenge every one of them into a live debate. It's like, you know, you get that guy in a ring, you get him in the corner, he's got a soft gut, a weak chin, you're, you're just wailing left and right. But then everyone gets to see that's a soft chin kind of person. Nobody's going to listen to them anymore. And hopefully the work has tried to explain this because the back the backlash I got last year or two years ago is that people said, well, when mortgage rates rise, home sales will collapse and inventory will skyrocket. I said, you are absolutely correct if you had a housing bubble. You know, Jay Powell was correct with his housing bubble uh, premise if it was 2005, but it wasn't. And even the Fed members right now, we always talk about this with Barkin. He's like, I'm, I'm just, I didn't realize that higher rates would you know, convince people not to list their homes. That's not how it works, right? You list your homes when you know you can qualify, so you have the biggest increase in housing costs ever. What do you think what's going to happen? Hello, come on, McFly, you know? So, and it's just, it's difficult. It's the difficult, I mean, we're here in mid-July and we have 18 days on the market and home sales are near 21st century lows. So I think that's, when I say savagely unhealthy is choices. People don't have choices and home prices escalated out of control and the affordability issues are not getting better, right? It's one thing if home prices fell, right? Because you get the affordability on that side. It's one thing if inventory increased, you have more choices. We don't have any of that. That, Sarah Wheeler, is the savagely unhealthy housing market. And that was the biggest fear. And guess what happened? We're It's year 2023. Next year is year five of my 2024 model. And we're still stuck here. So we got to deal with it. That's the reality of our world. We got to deal with it. Well, the next thing I wanted to talk about definitely, you know, influences all of that. And that's the 10-year yield 
It's the mortgage rates. Where are we and where are we going? So we're doing this podcast on Thursday morning. So who knows what happens by Monday morning when we get this. Uh, jobless claims was better. 10-year yield shot up. I think the last print I saw was uh, uh, 3.86. Um, I, I'm very sympathetic to the to the people that said the growth rate of inflation falling bond yields would fall down. I, I understand that. For this year, that was not going to be the case. Okay, So I'm just going with the 2023 forecast. Four and a quarter, 3.21, the Gandalf line, you shall not pass around that 3.37 level. If the labor market got weaker, the bond yield wants to go there. They are, they are, whenever they sniff or think there's a recession, they will push the bond yields down because you know money will flow into that. It's not been the case, right? And again, part of the macroeconomic work of the COVID-19 recovery model is that the demographics are much different now in America. So job opening should be a 10 million. Uh, the labor market, we need labor. And for the market, the labor market to break, it needs claims to get over 323,000. I chose that number because that was going to be a difficult area to get to unless the labor market broke. So jobless claims went down again. Uh, we're nowhere close to that level of being broken. Um, so it's it, it's confusing. You know, the, the leading economic index uh, uh, is down again noticeably. It's uh, it's it, if you look at that data line, you would think the U.S. is in a recession, but that there's different dynamics that are happening in this uh, cycle. And I think the two things that we revolve around, the two things we've talked about here, is that household balance sheets look a lot better. The debt structures of the general society of those who own consumer debt look great, right? Um, then there is the you know the demographic issue. So it's 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 going to take a little bit more. And and two of the things that you know I, I was worried about last year got better. The growth rate of inflation falls. So what happens is growth rate inflation falls, real wages pick up. Why energy prices? So your wages are going up. So you have real wage growth again. Uh, and then the housing market, 10-year yields fell, housing stabilized. So it's no longer, if home sales were crashing from 4 million to 2 million, you've got a different subject, right? If the 10-year yield got above five and a quarter and we had eight to 10% mortgage rates, different subject. Those things didn't happen. That's why those two things were in the variable box that, okay, with six recession, red flags are up, but these things here can help us. Those things happen. It's, it's, it's continued the expansion and the honey badger labor market just isn't breaking. And uh, that's why I focus so much on jobless claims at this point, not only just for the macroeconomic work, but also for the housing work, because the 10-year yield and labor market was more important than inflation for me, because the market had already anticipated the growth rate of inflation falling, right? This isn't shocking anyone. Uh, uh, there's no real, there was never any big forecast of things escalating just because of the arithmetic of how you track year-over-year data. So even with that, the 10-year yield never got above five and a quarter. And I encourage everyone, go look in that. I know, be a nerd like me. Go look at the 10-year yield. Go look at 2009 and go look at 2023. That is a deep bowl that is being formed here, right? We've just swung all the way up to the high end of the four. And then you could go, wait a second, something looks, yeah, something looks like it's normally, we're just sticking here. Right, we're at the high end of what we saw in 2009, and we're high end of 2023. So, if I thought we would have 1970s inflation, or the bond market thought we'd have 1970s inflation, 10-year yield would be north of five and a quarter, eight to 10 percent mortgage rates. None of that happened last year, or even in 2021. So, it's crazy. It's a wild bond market area, but 
for our forecast, it looks about right considering where the labor market is. Okay. All of that is great. We love to know what's going on with the 10-year yield. What about mortgage rates? Where are mortgage rates? They're very- That's the thing. Sarah, you and I are going to do a slow dance at Housing Wire Annual. We are. We're going to get oh, the 10-year okay. yield chart. Okay. Yes, we are. We're going to get a 10-year yield chart, okay, and then we're going to get mortgage rates. And I've always tried to stress this. Mortgage rates really remove around the 10-year olds. The spreads can be bad. Yes, the spreads are very bad, but you don't have a situation where mortgage rates start to collapse and the 10-year yield goes up higher. The spreads eventually, get, if they get back to normal, that only that only helps it on the limits. So if you're a low mortgage rate person, you got to believe the 10-year yield will got to come down with. you know. So that's why we do the slow dance. That's in 1971 to 2023. That is a, do you know how long those people have been slow dancing? Do you know what kind of commitment the 10-year yield and mortgage rates have together? It's historic. So uh, that's why I focus on the 10-year yield and mortgage rates. And what I see, what I believe drives mortgage rates. Um, and you know, I've been doing this, you know, in the forecast since 2015. And it's just, it's a little bit different take than I think other people are looking at this year. So uh, labor market, right? We've had two times now in the last uh, uh, six weeks where jobless claims get lower, looks good, 10-year yield shoots up, right? Because the bond market is moving around and the mortgage market is moving around the labor data. Okay. So if I am a mortgage loan originator out here and I'm like, tell me what the the mortgage rates are going to be in September and October. That's not that far from here. What do you think? Still stays in a range. If you, if the people in the mortgage industry want to really get an idea, you're going to have to focus on economic data. And right now, it's a little bit confusing because the leading economic index looks really weak. But jobless claims, we want to see where job openings are heading, and then the job growth should slow down. But I, I, I caution people. A lot of people come and tell me the labor market isn't as good. No, labor market breaking means job losses. You could have three years in a row of 60 to 100,000 job gains, right? That doesn't mean the labor market's breaking. So when the growth rate of inflation starts to get near toward 2%, right, we could have another discussion about that. But the core inflation data is not near 2%, right? So so the 10-year the yield being here in some cases is actually very low. So we want to track economic job data daily, weekly. If you want to be told, Mortgage rates are going to be X at some date. Whoever you're listening to, go for it, right? Here, I'm just going to do the daily data. And until the labor market breaks, right? It's just, we're just doing this back and forth. That's why the Gandalf line, Sarah Wheeler, I brought Gandalf the Gray into economics discussion in 2023. How insane is that? Unless you really believe that line in the stand would hold, right? And it held eight times. That's pretty crazy. But um, right now, the labor market is telling you it's okay, right? Maybe in September or in October, but I would say if you're looking at in the future, student loan debt payments eventually will come onto the marketplace. Credit getting tighter is happening. So the second half of 2023 is going to be more interesting than the first half because there are very, like we actually see variables that can can slow some of the things down. But they have to occur first, right? This people have to actually start paying their student loan debts. Uh, credit has to get really tighter to where the uh, the ability for companies to finance themselves in a big scale terms gets hit. So we're not we're not quite there yet. So there's things to look out for, but let let us tell you the data lines that we're focusing on, 
and, and go for it. We don't want to do the X date mortgage rates here that the growth rate of inflation has fallen, right? We're still at 3.86 on the 10-year yield. We're at 7% mortgage rates here that follow that channel, follow the economic data. That'll be the best guide right now. And for now, that Gandalf line has held for a reason, right? Uh, uh, the, the 2023 forecast held for a reason. We want to focus on labor data. And what we see right now is the labor data still doing well. Labor market is doing well, so that's that's the reality. It is it is. I understand. Uh, uh, we have this debate on Twitter finance about is housing in a recession still? Well, look at home sales, right? The whole point of going on CNBC and defining a recession is that demand, right? Demand is near twenty first century lows. In any other sector, we'd be saying recession. Here, a lot of people don't want to say housing recession because they see home prices still rising, not an effective way. They see the builders' confidence while well, they're living in a sub six percent world. But the the bulk of all the transactions that happen in the housing market and mortgage industry is still near 21st century rows. That's why the housing market is still in a recession. That has to change. And then we eventually will have this discussion with the Federal Reserve because they eventually have to say something creative about the housing market and not some, I don't know why people are not selling. Oh, home prices are rising again. That's bad for inflation. Or, oh, 6% mortgage rates. Oh, my God. People are ha- buying homes, having sex again. Oh, that's more. No. We, we've got to be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Come on, guys. And I know some of the Fed analysts are listening to me right now. Come on. We got to do better than this, right? I appreciate you giving um, our audience the macro view. I'm always going to be the one saying, what's the mortgage rate going to be by a certain date? Because I'm trying to ask the things that our audience are like, you know, this they're trying to, they're trying to build their business around this. And I'm also hoping Against hope, every time we talk, I'm like, give me some good news about mortgage rates. I want to know when they're going to go down. And I'm telling you, this is why I'm here, Sarah. Every day, 24-7, we track every piece of economic data we can to try to relay that information. That's why we created the tracker article. That's why we talk about what reports to keep an eye on. And uh, like I've stressed from the start of the year, jobless claims data, right? The labor market is softening up from where it was, was extremely tight, softening up. But that softening isn't breaking. And that, that was the whole point of the 2023 forecast is trying to establish when the labor market will actually break for the bond market. And the bond market really wants to, trust me, the bond market really wants to you know, rally hard uh, and head lower. But uh, it's doing what it should do in an economy that's still expanding in the labor market. So, And wage growth is slowing down. But again, if we look at it on a historical basis... 10-year yield is, is still low considering all the other factors. Logan, thanks for being on. I will talk to you again in a couple of days. Before then, we will have the housing market tracker looking at inventory again. So everybody look out for that. Yes. And I just want to say when when this podcast comes out on uh, Monday morning, I'm hoping to God the active listings is above 473,000. Okay. So I'm talking to you this on Thursday. I'm crossing my fingers, but we need active listings to grow uh, to give people more choices. We desperately need more active listings. Thanks again, Logan. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.